Praise God for meaning. Praise God for his presence. Just remain standing. Uh, let's let's go. Let's get let's get into this. Uh, Luke. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. What he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then in explaining the third part of the parable, Jesus said, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that is in your word. I thank you for the life that is in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken each one of us. Lord, we want you to do something in our lives. So, Father, make us receptive to your, may it be fruitful in our lives today. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Now, those of you who are used to coming here and are used to sitting down and then getting back up to read the word, if you want to stand up again real quickly, you can. Okay, see, we're not really creatures of habit, necessarily. We can, we can deal with it. Uh, when the word goes forth, one of four things happens. And we've already talked about two of those things. Uh, the path, when the word falls on the path, it bears no fruit. The, the devil comes and steals it away. The birds, the trivialities, the irrelevancies come and, and take its place. It, it, is, it is trodden upon. We actually despise the word of God. And the way that you'll know if, if you're thinking about it, the way that you would know if you're the path is you'll hear the word in here and it, it's gone before you get to the parking lot. In fact, it may be gone before you get to the foyer. And in some cases, it's gone before I start the next sentence. That's the path. And then uh, the, shallow, uh, the shallow ground, the rock, stony ground, is the shallow man, that's the, one, that's the one who hears and receives and goes, yeah, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. I'm going to do this. And they're not. Or maybe they are for a week. You know. Or, you know, if, if it's really special, maybe they endure for, I don't know, a month. But they don't have any root and they don't have moisture and, and they're shallow. And so, yeah, they can produce grass, they can produce flowers, they can't produce fruit because fruit takes time. Yeah. Today we want to look at uh, what I believe is the most prevalent type of soil in the American church. And uh, certainly in, a, in our, I would say in our culture, in fact, that's what I've been saying, but, but really our, our culture has a, a lot of those first two types. But in the, but in the church, those who are in the church I believe this is, this is the most prevalent type. First of all, though, this is fertile soil. This is good soil. This, this soil can do something. Uh, th- this soil is capable of producing 
fruit. This, this soil, roots can go down in it, moisture can go down in it, things can, can, can develop, things can, can, can take time in this soil. The soil's not bad. The heart is soft, okay, because the soil is a type of the heart. The, the, the heart is soft and things can take root there. And it can bear fruit, but just not fruit that is very high quality or, or, that, or that's, that's very good. We'll, we'll talk about that a little more here as we get toward the end. Soft hearts. Some hear the word, but they don't bear much fruit. Uh, because there's something else growing in the soil. There's something else that's taken the place. And that, that, that something else is thorns. How, how many of you know that if... If soil can grow anything, it can grow thorns. There, there is nowhere on this planet that, that things grow that thorns can't grow. If you, if you, go, to, uh, if you go down to Martin's in Murfreesboro and you, and you buy yourself some thorns and, and take them home to, to plant them, they will not give you any instructions because you don't need any instructions. You just put it out there and it grows. That's, that's the way that that works. Uh, thorns have no special requirements, no special needs. So what are, what are these thorns? Well, the, um, this parable, or in, in Luke's version of this parable, three things are identified as, as the thorns. And one of those things is the worries of this life. What do you worry about? You know, and, and some of you may go, I don't worry about anything. You are so delusional. Because you do. What, what, what do you worry about? What, what is the stuff that weighs on your mind? And it could be any number of things. Finances, politics, war, health, growing old, uh, dying, death. There's really only one that we need to worry about. There's really only one that we need to be concerned with. You know, Jesus goes through a whole bunch of different things and says, don't worry about that. Worry about the one who can, worry about the one who after death can cast the soul into hell. Worry about the one that's important. The problem is, there's another phrase that we could use for that instead of worry. The fear of the Lord. You know, fear the Lord. That's, that's what you need. And if you do that, it produces wisdom and it brings its own reward. But we have so little fear of the Lord because we've got so much fear of everything else that there's no room for any more fear in our lives. That was significant. We, we have so much worry and so much fear about other things that I, I don't have time to worry about what God thinks. And we may not consciously think that, but that's the effect. That, that, is, that is the net effect of what is happening in our lives. Uh, finances. A lot of people worry about finances. This is what Jesus has to say. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And he said, well, some of these things are, are pretty, some of these things are essential. Well, gee, yeah, Jesus... Your father knows you need those things. Jesus says, food? Yeah, you need food. Who do you, where, do, where do the birds get their food? Who do, who do you think feeds them? 
Are you not more valuable than the birds? How many of you think that you're more valuable than birds? Okay, and how many of you think birds are more valuable than you? We, we definitely have some undecideds in the room. But Jesus says he feeds the birds, and he doesn't just feed the birds. He feeds all of creation, and he feeds you too, whether you know it or not. Clothing, look at the the grass, look at the lilies of the field. You know, they don't wear their pants down to their knees. I just just had to go there. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, that's your style. Hey, man, be stylish, you know. But he clothes them. He'll clothe you. He'll clothe you. He'll take take care of you. He said, this is how you need to approach things. This is what you need to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All this other stuff, you get with it. Now, you can seek all this other stuff and totally miss the kingdom, and you might get some of the other stuff for a while, but if you'll seek his kingdom first, you get all this stuff, period. Uh. Tithing, let me go there real quickly, Uh, because that's attached to this. That's attached to this. We, uh, I, I, I learned it from my parents, and and it's it's great. Some of you a few years ago, I mentioned this, but I'm just I'm just going to say it again because my my parents, my dad had an eighth grade education. Okay, Uh, yeah, he pastored a church. I, I don't. Know that he ever pastored a church where he wasn't bivocational. Uh, he also was a butcher in a grocery store and sold shoes. Uh, those are the two main things that I know that he did. My mom, when I started the school, started teaching school. How many of you know that school teachers are woefully underpaid? My mom, now this was back in the 50s, but she brought home 150 bucks a month whether she needed it or not. And my dad, for, 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 for the first 10 years he was at Millersville, got $35 a week whether he needed it or not. And probably pulled in another 20 bucks or so from, from, from his side jobs and stuff. We never missed a meal. We always went on vacation. Their bills were always paid. And when they got old, when they got old, they always had more money coming in every month than they had going out. So, wow, how'd they do that? They tithed. They put God first. Never even thought about it. Doing otherwise. You know, and, and that doesn't mean that you don't have issues. At t- I mean, there have been times when I've kind of gone, okay, let's see. Oh, that bill's not due till next week. Okay, this one. Pay this one. Okay. There have been times I had to do that. Okay. But don't worry about it. Never, never, been, never been worried about it. Now, this does not mean that you don't need to work. This does not, some people take that leap and they kind of go, I paid my tithes. You know, I'll wait for the, I'll wait for the check in the mail. It does not mean that you don't need to work. Yeah. It means you don't need to worry. Oh, that, that, that was a lot better than the response I got. It doesn't mean that you don't need to work. It means you don't need to worry. What a, what a blessing to not have to worry. Thank you very much. Uh, 
and, and attached to money. Uh, a lot of some people worry about politics. It's what Jesus has to say about politics: uh, give Caesar what belongs to him, and give God what belongs to him. And a lot of people will look at that and go, "Well, he was talking about money, wasn't he?" He's talking about everything: time, focus, energy. And you would think from the way that a lot of people approach it, that it all belongs to Caesar. When I was, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, there have always been divisions. There have always been um, different opinions in the culture. But, you know, when I was growing up, it was kind of like, oh, you, you a Republican? I'm a Democrat. You know, well, okay, so what? You liked FDR? I hated FDR. You know, now... It's, that's what you believe? That's who you voted for? I don't have anything to do with you. What is wrong with us? What, what is it? What gives? Caesar only gets what belongs to him, and that ain't much. Our allegiance belongs to God. And he says, I want you to love this person. I want you to walk. Maybe even with somebody that rubs you the wrong way. Much less somebody that's dumb enough to disagree with you. What's uh, what war? You know, uh, worried about disaster and stuff. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 has a lot of things in it about what the Lord will do and how he will protect you and bless you. It's all predicated on this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's, that's where you... That, that, that's where you have to go. In fact, down in, in verses 9 and, and 10, and that says verse 9, but it's actually verse 1. Uh, down in verses 9 and 10, it says, If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you mean it, you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. That doesn't mean that there, that there won't be trouble, okay? It just it can't hurt you. It, can't get to, it can get to your stuff. Is your stuff you? Oh, you won't think about that for a second. It can get to your stuff, but your stuff isn't you. It, 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 can't, it can't get to you. It can't, it, can't, it can't touch you. Disaster will come, but God... You hold it all. Does he or doesn't he? See, God, and if you make him, if you make him your refuge, if you make him your dwelling, then yes, he does hold it all. And if you don't, you're carrying some of it. And you aren't equipped to. Yeah. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Oh, I didn't think there would be any trouble. Well, but there's going to be trouble. But you got an ever-present help in it. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Woo! What a show. Because someday that's likely to happen. And if you were living in Southern California this last week, some of it did happen. And you go, well, some of those people... Some, some of those people may have, may, have, may have actually died. Well, if they died and God was their refuge, you think they're worried about that right now? They probably went, oh, that's what this is. That was my ticket. 
And what can the devil do with people like that? Who take that sort of attitude? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's frustrating to him. A lot of people worry about, about health. You know, some people are so worried about staying healthy that they get sick from the worry about being, about being healthy, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm all, I get it. I'm all about, you know, uh, eating the right stuff. You know, I think that's good for other people. And, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm only here for a short while. I want to enjoy it. Okay. And, and, you know, taking this stuff up, rubbing the oil on and everything. That's great. Some of that oil smells good and some of it stinks to high heaven. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not one of those, you can never get sick people. I mean, how else are you going to get to heaven? You can't ever get sick. Somebody's got to murder you. Or, or some, I mean, think about it, really. I'm with the psalmist on this. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits. And that psalm goes on to list a bunch of his benefits, but it starts out with this. He forgives all your sins. Woo, that is number one. He heals all your diseases. And he does. He's he's the only one that doesn't say every time, but he heals all your diseases. If you've ever had a disease and got well, he healed you. Whether you you prayed or didn't... He healed you. You say, well, you know, I took this, I took this, the medicine didn't really help, okay? I mean, it, it might have helped some symptoms and everything. It didn't heal you. He did. Well, the doctor went in and cut this, cut this thing. So somebody cut my body open and went in and cut some stuff out, and that healed me. That hurts. God heals. He, 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 he is the one, he's the one who heals. And, and, then, and then down in verse 5, it says, uh, if you're worried about getting old, it says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Uh, getting old is a state of mind, okay? I don't worry about this because it's too late. <laughs> and it's going to be too late for you one day. As well. And for some of you, it's already too late. <laughs> and physically, you know, things deteriorate a little bit. I can't take everybody in the church and racquetball anymore. Just most of you. <laughs> but spiritually, you know, I mean, you know, there, there, are, there are people who were old before they hit 40. And there are people who ain't ever going to get old. Just aren't. Because the Lord renews their youth like the eagle. And, 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 and the spiritual vigor is there. And, and, and that, that zest for life that comes with youth just doesn't go away. You know, the, the devil comes along and tries to sap this off and sap that off and drain this off and take this off. And for most people, by the time they get kind of, by the time they really get on up there, it's just, you know, but not those who trust in the Lord. That vigor remains strong. Proverbs 16.31 says, Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained by the way of the righteous. 
Just, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is trying to catch up. Yeah. Really is. Death? You afraid of death? Really? I, it, it is amazing to me how many, how many Christians, how many believers are afraid to die. Don't you know what you believe? Don't, don't you know what the faith is? Don't, don't, don't you understand the term eternal life? When Jesus stood beside Lazarus' tomb, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. Physically, they may die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Because that's just an illusion, you see. And then he said to Martha, do you believe this? And he said that I think to her, I I think he knew what she believed. Uh, I think he put that there for us. Do you believe this? Do you believe that's true? Then where's the fear of death? The worries of this life. That's that's one of the kinds of thorns, and uh, that was the longest one in terms of the amount of time it's going to take. But, uh, but another thorn that is mentioned is, is riches. Uh, there's a guy named Bob Huey who uh, used to be up at, uh, at Belmont. Wayne, has Bob gone on to be with the Lord? I thought, I thought he did a couple of years ago or something. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, Bob came and, uh, and, and did a retreat for us uh, way back in the day. And I remember one of the, the, the main thing I remember from that retreat was one of the stories he told was about a retreat he had done in uh, Colorado, I believe it was. And, uh, and he was teaching about, he was teaching about money. He was teaching about this, the deceitfulness of, of wealth, of riches. And, uh, and after the retreat, this young man came up to him and said, I want you to know that my goal in life is to make as much money as I possibly can. Now, what do you think about that? And Bob said, I think you're getting ready to be pierced with many thorny griefs. Because that's what Paul said to Timothy. Some, because they love money, have left the faith and pierced themselves with many thorny griefs. Riches can be thorns in our lives. In Matthew and Mark's telling of this teaching, Jesus uses the phrase, the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of uh, of wealth. You know, most of us would love to have a lot of money. I mean, you know, who who here wants to be poor? That's what I thought. I've heard people say, oh, poor people are only poor because they want to be. I've never met anybody who wants to be. You know, uh, but, you know, I, and most of us would like to have a whole lot of money. Would you like to have a bunch of money? Now, it's not a trick question. Oh, come on, be honest. Would you like to have a bunch of money? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what about a billion dollars? Whoo, glory. Yeah. Pay this building off. Yes, in Jesus' name. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Just forget I, anyway, uh, what would you do with it? 
I mean, as I was thinking about this sermon this week, I was thinking about a billion dollars. What would I do with it? And I got tired just thinking about the first 10 million. That only left 990 million after that. Yeah. I don't even know what I'd do with 10 million, quite frankly. Yeah. The, the deceitfulness of wealth. Um, later on in this year, as we're going through the, uh, the parables, we'll, we'll talk about a parable that Jesus uh, where he called a man a rich fool. There are such things. In fact, there are only two categories of people that the scripture calls a fool. One is someone who says in their heart, there is no God. And then Jesus said there was this rich fool. And, and the reason that he was, he was a fool was because uh, he had such success one year. His lands produced so much that he thought, what am I going to do with this? I'm going to build bigger barns so I can have more stuff. And God said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. Who gets your stuff now? See, wealth was deceitful to him because he thought when he had a bunch of it, he was safe. He thought it would protect him. He thought that was his refuge. And it's thorns. It's thorns. This is what Jesus says about riches. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin and destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, I'm not saying don't have a savings account. I mean, that's, no, it's, 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 it's good to have a reserve, but that's not, if your hope is in your reserve, then it's a false hope. It's a deceptive hope. Most of the time, you, you know, we kind of like, uh, you know, I know this belongs. I know this belongs to God. This is just money. But you know, trying to actually get it, let go of it, is something else entirely. There are things that this won't last, but there are things you can do with this that'll last for eternity. Okay, and then the third type of thorns is this, pleasures. Uh, how many of you like pleasure? Okay, the rest of you do. You're just deceiving yourselves. You know, pleasure, I mean, uh, uh, pleasure is, we all like pleasure. I mean, some people, some people's pleasure is despising pleasure. Some people really enjoy not enjoying themselves and no one else doing it either. You know, that's, but that's pleasurable to them. Yeah. Uh, so perhaps Mark, when he uh, talks about this, uh, this parable, he, he, uses a, he uses a longer phrase, but it's kind of it's blunt and maybe it'll help it. He doesn't say pleasure. He says the desire for other things. Our priorities are so shockingly simple to discern, at least to everyone around us. And for us, if we'll actually look at ourselves, here's what, I, here's what I've come to learn over the, over the years, I guess, that I've been alive, certainly in the ministry, but that I've been alive. Two things about people. One, you do what you want to do, and you spend your money where your heart is. 
That's it. You know, and there are people who go, man, you know, I want to be, I, I want to serve, I want to I do this, I want to I I come to church, I want to do this. Uh, no, you don't. I said, boy, that's hard. Yeah. You do what you want to do. You make room in your life for what's absolutely important to you. And you spend your money where your heart is. The desire for other things comes in and, and, and chokes the word. And, and what, when, the, when the thorns come when the, into a person's life and chokes the word, what does that do? Well, it, it, they do not mature. They don't mature. Some things happen. There's some, there's some growth going on there. It just doesn't get to maturity. They may learn to quote a bunch of scriptures, but they don't mature. Quoting a bunch of scriptures and maturing are two different things. That was good, too. They, they may become legalistic. You know, they, they may, they may oh, I don't do this anymore, and I don't do that anymore, and you shouldn't do that anymore either. And, you know, and that's better than being profligate, which was a word that I couldn't find in the first service, to so go home and look it up. But, you know, the person who does anything that they want to do, yeah, that would be here. And then legalism is a step above that, but it's a long way from love because they don't mature. The fruit doesn't get that far. They, they bear some fruit. Okay. They love those that love them or those that they feel some attraction to or something. If you don't fall into one of those two categories, they don't love. They give when they feel like giving. When there's when it ain't going to hurt any, you know, they'll, they'll give. They, uh, they'll serve if it's something they really want to do. And, if, and it's convenient in a, in a time that they want to do it. You know, they'll forgive. As long as it's something they want to forgive. There, there's some fruit there. It doesn't mature. Uh, such people may, they, they may listen to the latest Christian hits. They may read the latest, you know, best Christian bestsellers. They may go on the latest Christian tours, uh, listen to the latest Christian podcast, but they are stuck in perpetual spiritual adolescence. And those last three words are words that I hope continue to resonate in our hearts as a warning, perpetual spiritual adolescence. They don't mature because something's choking the word in their lives. At least they aren't a hard path. Yeah, yeah it's better than that. At, at least they aren't a shallow man. Yeah, yeah, it's better than that. But, but assuming that someone wanted to get rid of the thorns, you know, how do you do that? You get your gloves on, you get down on the ground, you dig the roots out, and you pull those suckers out and burn them. You do that. 
say, well, you know, I thought I could just ask God. Well, you can, but let me tell you, you know, if you go, God, you know, get rid of this worry. I've got so much worry in my life about perhaps getting sick someday. Please get rid of that worry. God will get rid of that worry, all right? He'll let you get sick. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm not saying that everybody gets sick is sick because of that, but I'm just saying if, if you want God to do this for you, you ain't going to like it. It's so much better. This is something this is something you do. This is something you decide to do. These, these are thorns that you decide to get rid of. You have to dig them out and, 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 and let them go. Burn them. And you can. You know what I'm talking about. And then the soil is fruitful and bears a hundredfold and you're going to enjoy next week so much more than this week because that's the soil we'll talk about then.